Welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. And I'm Michael. And today we've got part one of our Jodie Foster series. That's right. One of the objectively greatest movies of all time, and also objectively scariest, Silence of the Lambs. This movie is genuinely upsetting. Genuinely upsetting. (laughs) Yeah, I remember when we watched... um... Train spotting earlier this year, and I told you that it made me genuinely queasy at times. Yeah. Well, you apparently have a knack for picking movies that make me feel physically ill. I'm going to say that I immediately after watching this movie watched Spaceballs to cleanse my palate. That is a good choice. <laughs> that is a really good choice. It was incredible. Let me this tell you. This is ya. the uh, Vintage Cinema Rewind viewing order. It's uh, Silence of the Lambs and then Spaceballs just to <laughs> keep you going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. August, our actor-actress month, we're doing Jodie Foster, massive child star of the 70s and 80s, becoming a massive leading lady in the 90s, hugely important to our childhoods. This being probably her most famous work or one of her most famous works, Silence of the Lambs. Mm -hmm. It's also, obviously, Anthony Hopkins is going to definitely come to mind, jump out as another kind of very important person in this film, playing Hannibal Lecter. And yeah, why don't, why don't you give us a little plot summary into Silence of the Lambs? So Jodie Foster stars as Clarice Starling. Dude, why did you say it Clarice? Why did I say it like that? <laughs> <clears throat> so Jodie Foster stars as Clarice Starling. A Clarice. Clarice, a FBI agent in training who is inexplicably sent to interview notorious cannibal and serial killer, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. So she's being sent in to get him to, she's ostensibly being sent in to get him to fill out a questionnaire when really they're trying to get some information out of him that will help them track down another notorious serial killer, Buffalo Bill. And anyways, things, that's pretty much how we get going. That's the start. Clarice is, she's young, she's brilliant, but untested, and she's very much a small, small woman in a big man's world. And yeah, and, and all of that really touches on the character of Clarice Starling very well, like moving into characters people you may know here. And what's really great about the character of Clarice is... Not only does Jodie Foster absolutely knock it out of park with this role, like oh, plays yeah. this role, like choose every scene she's in. Like the character is really engaging and really exciting to watch because mm-hmm. she's a she's kind of a fish out of water, and as we've seen, the fish out of water heroes are always some of the most entertaining to watch. Yeah, and B. There's such an intelligence about her. And, you know, this is somebody who's at the beginning of their career. So so there is like a little bit of hesitancy there. But under under the surface, she's she's highly intelligent and highly capable at her job. And and that's what I actually like most about her portrayal is that I don't know what it is, but she really like just projects that confidence, that that under under the surface confidence very well without it, you know, being overbearing or conceited at at any point in time i don't even know that it's confidence so much as it is just grit right yeah like she's clearly the first time she meets Hannibal Lecter, she's clearly terrified but Mm -hmm. she's still not really backing down either 
Right. She's still like, I got a job to do and I'm here to do it. And she really reminded me of Nick Nolte in uh, Cape Fear in the sense that like, it would be really, really, really easy for Clarice to be boring. As mm-hmm. When she's sharing the screen with like a charisma powerhouse like Anthony Hopkins and Hannibal Lecter. Right? Oh, yeah. But she really stands her ground and you really do feel for her, right? Let, let's get the comparison out of the way now because at some point you and I are going to say it. The Batman-Joker comparison it like you know at some point with a great hero and great villain comparison there's going to be we're going to make that at some point right we're both pretty big batman fans but here's what i'm going to say about this is that in a lot of films a lot of batman films the villain often completely overshadows batman that's the batman curse yes yeah and in this particular case jodie foster as Clarice starling absolutely holds her own against hannibal lecter Hmm. I particularly enjoyed the first 20 minutes of this movie oh, as we're yes. the buildup. Like, you know, she's assigned the case, she's sent to the asylum, and then, you know, there's all these little hints that things are, like, they're descending down the stairwell mm-hmm. to, like, the prison block, and there's all that stuff like, do not approach the glass. Do not hand him anything other than soft paper. Like, do right. not let your guard down for a second, right? Like, it's like we're approaching the gates of hell. Yes, and actually, this is something that, like, I definitely wanted to break down with you in the spoiler discussion because I had the exact same thought. I wrote down literally word for word what you said. The first 20 minutes of this film are maybe the best opening 20 minutes of a movie, period, in my opinion. It's definitely up there, yeah. The other thing that I found really interesting about Clarice is the gender thing, mm-hmm. you know? There's that great moment in the first five minutes when... We first meet Clarice, she's running through the FBI obstacle course, and there's that, like, pull, you know, where there's the sign that's like, pain, agony, love it. (laughs) And then someone says, like, oh, Clarice, the director wants to see you. And she goes inside, and she's still all sweaty from the field, and she steps into an elevator, and it's just filled with these, like, big, jacked linebacker men, right? And she steps up in the elevator, and they all look down at her, and she's like, she looks very, she looks like the size of a child compared to these guys, right? <laughs> and it's just a really subtle way of saying like, oh, okay, like this is, and maybe it's harder for guys like us to relate to that just because we're guys. Because we're so big and jacked. <laughs> yeah, obviously, right? No, but I mean also like there's, it's been 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around stuff like that, but you know, that's still is very much the female experience in a lot oh, of places. Oh, and certain, in certain jobs and career paths, absolutely still, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I are both in careers where I would say it's pretty equal, but, you know, like this is still something that you would deal with in a construction job or something like that, for example. Sure, sure, yeah. And then she meets the warden, Dr. Chinton, I think. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he very very inappropriately makes a pass at her while he's trying to debrief her. Right. He's like, so like, are you in town overnight? Like, so, and then she said, she very clearly shuts him down. And then all of a sudden he's really rude to her. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're just like within the first 10 minutes, you're like, wow. Like I'm really wrote. I'm really rooting for this woman. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Absolutely. 
So let's talk Jodie Foster really quickly. This is because this is part one of our our two part movie special of her. Jodie Foster's a really fascinating actor or actress because you know she started her career in the seventies as like a child actor basically and and child model, which is kind of weird in hindsight now. Uh, yeah, given, given the times. <laughs> but Awkward. anyway, she was like she was in the I believe the original Freaky Friday. Um, I know that I can't remember if there was one in between her and the one with Lindsay Lohan, but but she she's in one of the original. Two. Okay. And then you know she goes on to do some other films like The Accused uh, is is really like the big film um, that kind of puts her on the map as like a, a serious adult movie star. And then and then she gets into Silence of the Lambs, and this is really the movie that completely cements her as as one of the greats of all time, right? Yeah. So I think I'll start our conversation leading up to that point in time, and then we'll save the kind of following what her career kind of goes on after this, uh, maybe for our second film. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I've always known who Jodie Foster is, mm-hmm. I've, but I've never really known all that much about her. But like yeah. watching this movie, I was like, she's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Like, she's incredible. phenomenal. Like I yeah. would definitely love to see more of her. And we will. And I'm really excited for the second movie, actually. Mm-hmm. So let's talk Anthony Hopkins as Han- Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, the let's be honest, as great as Jodie Foster is, he's definitely the most magnetic person on screen whenever he's on screen. He's terrifying. Like this yeah. is this is one of the greatest portrayals of just pure unadulterated evil on screen mm-hmm. and yet he's not really the main villain of the movie which is so interesting yes and i have thoughts about that later when we get into the spoiler discussion okay cool dr hannibal lecter like i said one of the most just sinister villains in movie history it, his performance is just it's kind of incredible. Like and it's it's just every little detail that he incorporates in his performance like the unblinking eyes, like the just the deadpan stare throughout the film. This motherfucker doesn't blink. Yeah, almost never. And and yeah. only with purpose at points in time does he blink. His ability to get under your skin with words. And that's something that even plays into the plot a little bit is is how how much of a wordsmith he is. But mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins sells that idea in a way that I don't think many other actors could have then or even now. No, definitely not. I think part of what makes him so terrifying is just, again, those first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, they really build him up before we meet him, right? Well, and what's what's incredible about that, too, is, like you said, it, we don't meet him until about maybe 12 to 15 minutes into the film, and so that first 12 to 15 minutes is really what builds him up and our image of him in our minds. Mm-hmm. But Anthony Hopkins has to then live up to what's being presented to us, right? Right. And all of our senses, and he does that, It like... It's it's incredible. It's just incredible. I, I I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, like it's a very interesting dynamic that they have. Like the di- it's clearly the dynamic that sells the whole movie. This whole idea that like she's trying to track down Buffalo Bill, this serial killer who's preying on young women and like 
he's clearly brilliant enough and has the expertise to help but he's mm-hmm. not always willing to help but sometimes he is but he is when he can see the benefit in him it himself like he he does take advantage of her at points in time mm-hmm. but he's also weirdly respectful towards her at times yes. right yeah. like he's also he's weird in the sense that like you know he actually says in one of his scenes that he's what, what is the line it's like he detests it's more that he detests rudeness than anything else right so and then even later on well i shouldn't say this until the deep dive but yeah there there you got to you got to talk lightly on this one cuz there's let's some let's just let's just say at one point someone says to Clarice like aren't you worried about the consequences of angering Hannibal Lecter and she says like I don't think he'd come after me because he would consider that rude. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's definitely one of the great lines of the film. Um, right. And I actually, again, I actually have thoughts on that particular line in general that I want to talk about in the spoiler section. I want to talk Anthony Hopkins a little bit because I think he, because he's such an interesting actor, and this is actually a very interesting point in his career because. Anthony Hopkins is a household name at this point. He's actually being knighted. He was knighted by the Queen. Tight. Yeah. What's really interesting, though, is even though he's a household name, before this movie, he actually wasn't that famous. Like, this is the movie that put him on the map Mm -hmm. and made him a star. He actually was considering quitting being an actor because he hadn't found the role that really fit him. Like, he he wasn't that household name yet. And so this was kind of his last actual attempt at, at becoming a movie star. I think he was 52 at the time, right? Right. So like, yeah. And he had a pretty strong theatrical kind of career in the London theaters. So I think he was kind of considering, you know, trying to get back into that instead of trying to be this on-screen presence. But, Mm -hmm. you know, glad that he did because, wow, what a performance. What a performance. Anthony Hopkins of recent, where you've probably seen him, so obviously... Every actor's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He played Odin in the Thor series. Yeah, and he was a good Odin, too. Like, no, I'm never going to not say that Anthony Hopkins does <laughs> yeah. a good job in film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So recently, other films that he's been in, he won. He just won an award for The Father a couple of years ago, which I haven't seen because it's a very dramatic performance, and those aren't always my you know, niche That's films. That's where he has dementia, right? I think my mom saw that and she really liked it. Yeah, he's really known for those kind of dramatic roles. So I actually haven't seen him in a ton of things because he also was in The Two Popes, uh, was the other one that he was in most recently. TV show-wise, he also has an interesting screen presence in TV. So most recently in King Lear, playing King Lear, the Shakespearean play. But the one that I most remember Anthony Hopkins from, other than playing Hannibal Lecter, is his role in Westworld as the creator of Westworld. I knew you were going to bring that up. Season one of Westworld is maybe one of the best 10 episodes of TV ever made. Okay. And his role in in that tv series is maybe underrated because of how the later seasons of westworld went downhill pretty quickly is westworld one of those shows that shit the bed yeah a little bit ah sad when that happens i will defend season two i did quite like that season but things took a nosedive after that they just didn't know where to go but anyway 
Okay. Westworld season one, absolutely incredible. And you could just watch, even though that, like, like I said, that's one of my favorite first seasons of a TV series ever. You could honestly just watch it for Anthony Hopkins performance and walk away pretty, pretty happy. Okay. The other villain, the actual main villain of Silence of the Lambs is Buffalo Bill, the serial killer on the loose that the FBI is trying to hunt down. He's being murdering women across the country, ditching their bodies that have been sliced up really grossly in different streams and rivers across the country. And at the opening of this film, the opening act, he actually captures somebody else and we and we see all of that in pretty pretty horrific detail so maybe a little trigger warning at this point in time too if you haven't gotten that idea yeah you know (laughs) the scene where he um kidnaps Catherine, it's one of those scenes where it's like you know it's on the one hand it's a little cheesy on the other hand it's very believable it's so believable because and this we'll talk about definitely in spoiler discussion is a lot of his character is based on real life serial killers and real life serial killer, the stuff that they actually did. Yikes. So what he does to, to kind of lure her in is actually something that a very famous serial killer used to do with his victims as well. Yikes. So it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty uncomfortable stuff. This is not a happy fun movie. This is a, Let's look into the deepest pits of hell and see like the worst of humanity. Let's uh let's stare into the void and see what crawls out of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like so Buffalo Bill's the the main villain. It's who we're all chasing down. It's who Calarice and Hannibal are, you know, a lot of their banter is even if it's not directly related to that, it's the undertone is we're trying to catch Buffalo Bill essentially. Yeah, and you know what? Ted Levine did a fantastic job. Absolutely. Like, he doesn't get talked about enough for his performance in this movie, but he did a fantastic job. The problem is, isn't his acting or his portrayal. It's just because Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins are so good in this film. Yeah, he's kind of the third wheel in his own movie, right? Yeah, exactly. So other roles that you know him from, he played Bosco. He was uh, the, I think second in command of the police force during the movie heat oh yeah one of my favorite movies that we've done on the podcast in the last couple years he also was the warden in shutter island of recent really yeah i rewatched shutter island a couple years ago and i don't really remember him he's a bit of a character actor and he kind of just you know slips into his roles like you almost don't notice him kind of thing I guess so. Like a consummate professional, right? Like yeah. a, chame- a chameleon. He's just whoever he needs to be for that role. Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, in hindsight is also somewhat creepy uh, given who he's playing in, in this film, right? Yeah. And there's something else we should talk about with that character, but that'll be next episode. Yeah, for sure. The last character that I really want to dive into and discuss is Jack Crawford. He's the FBI professor um who jody foster kind of i think she looks up to and he's the one who really puts her down this path of going and having this discussion with hannibal lecter and and, you know everything that kind of that kind of entails he's a very interesting character because there's a lot of basis in his character in in real life and the, the real life fbi serial killer investigation unit 
Mm. So I think I'm going to, again, save that to this spoiler discussion or really dive into the background of his character. But another pretty good performance here by Scott Glenn, who I most remember from The Bourne Ultimatum. He was a CIA director in that. He kind of plays like, you know, these procedural type characters, right? He's got a great look for it. You know, exactly, exactly. Tall, skinny, glasses, like, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's really like rounding out the most important characters of this film, right? Like everything centers really around Clarice, Hannibal Lecter, and Buffalo Bill. But, you know, there, there's characters that kind of enter in and out through through the film. Mm-hmm. The director of the film is Jonathan Dem. Not a name I actually remembered or new before we watch this film for the podcast, but he's actually got some pretty big hits. A lot of his film career, uh, his directorial film career, has actually been directing concert films. And the most famous of them is the film Stop Making Sense, which is the Talking Heads concert film. It's considered one of the greatest concert films of all time. I've, I've heard of it actually beforehand, but I've never seen it. Now, is a concert film exactly what it sounds like? Like a film about a concert? Yeah, exactly. And so, like, and these are at the time when rock was, rock and roll was like, you know, the biggest genre of music. And so they had like the biggest, craziest concerts with, you know, dancers and pyrotechnics and all of that, like, wild stuff. Like, you got to think you know, back to like the eighties on the seventies for, for that period in time. Like it would be like a concert film of like Taylor Swift now kind of thing, because the production values of that would be just completely off the charts. Right. Like if, if you're paying the amount of money that you're paying to go see Taylor Swift, you're going to see her, but you're also going to see the show as well. Right. I was on a date, um, a few months ago and I had to sit through 45 minutes of Taylor Swift trivia. But but that's a conversation for another day. Oh, God. He's also known for doing the film Philadelphia, which stars Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. That's one where he has AIDS, right? I have not seen that film, so I don't know. Okay, let's just go with that. (laughs) (laughs) It could or could not. Oh, no, you're right. You're totally right. Oh, suck it, Blake. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I've never seen that movie. Have you, then? Sounds like you know it. No, I think I just, it's the Tom Hanks AIDS movie. That's the thing about being kind of a film snob is that you kind of like you have little like categories in your heads where like you've heard of movies. So you sort of know what they're about. Right. Um, the other film that Jonathan Dem is known for is Rachel Getting Married, which stars Anne Hathaway. I've never seen that film. Never heard of it. For whatever reason, it was connected to one of our other films that we've done on the podcast before because I had looked it up previously. I have no idea what film it was connected to or why I, I looked at that at some point in time, but there's a very weird connection, and I would love for somebody to sound off in the comments to remind me why I, I'm thinking of that movie or why it was connected to our podcast at some point in time. Look, guys, if you're listening, we need a lot of help, okay? <laughs> just like... <laughs> Please, just sound off in the comments. Give us some direction. (laughs) We're doing our best. (laughs) So who is this movie for? Like I've already said, and I've kind of spoiled my opinion of this film, this movie is one of the greatest movies of all time. Like this movie sits like uh, on a pedestal with like Jaws, basically. Like this is a decade-defining film. Like there's sort of like, it's also one of those movies where you can like catch sprinkles of its DNA 
in popular yes. culture beyond oh. it. Like oh, you mentioned yeah. Batman and the Joker. So there's the famous scenes of Hannibal Lecter, like in his little trolley, like tie, like he's on his mm. straight jacket and he's tied up and he's being transported around on like a little, tr- like, what do you call those things? Like a dolly cart. Yes. And he's got like a mask on so that he can't bite anyone's throat out. Like you've seen that, like, you know, the first uh, Arkham Asylum game. That's how they transport the Joker into the asylum and basically the same contraption, right? Yeah, that imagery is is now pretty widely used, I would agree. It's also like the film Seven definitely comes to mind. It's definitely a response to this. It comes out later in the 90s. Also, you know, one of my favorite crime serial killer films of all time. Um, shares a lot of DNA with that. Also, like, if you ever watched the show Criminal Minds, I feel like that oh, was yeah. very heavily inspired by this movie. The other connection to this film, uh, very recent, is the show Mindhunter on Netflix. I know it was a massive favorite of Netflix viewers. It starred Jonathan Groff. So Jonathan Groff's character in that show portrays the same, is portraying the same real-life character that Jack Crawford, the FBI professor, is portrayed in this film so th- there's a direct connection to the show mind hunter so if if you're oh, really? a fan of that show at all like highly recommend this because this is basically like a kind of sequel to mind hunter in a way i thought mind hunter was a documentary or am i thinking of something else it's not a documentary it's it mirrors real life basically like mind hunter explores a lot of the the FBI, as they were developing their serial killer investigative unit and the serial killers that they're researching and stuff in that in that show are the actual serial killers of the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s kind of thing. Interesting. It's very much grounded in reality. It's based on real life events, but it's not like, you know, word for word, a docudrama or something like that. Like it's it, there's a, a heavy element of fiction to that. Okay. But like I said, this this film, because both the this film and Mindhunter are portraying the Jack Crawford character, and I wasn't prepared to talk about this right now, but... Haha, surprise. The real-life person who is being portrayed in, in those scenes, there, there's a lot of deep connection there. Hmm. I do... This movie is kind of interesting just in the sense that I feel like there's been this weird true crime boom in the last 10 years where, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these Netflix documentaries about like Ted Bundy and the Unabomber. And like, I've met a lot of people who are like really, really into those like true crime shows and like those profiling shows. And I feel like this is almost kind of like the, like it's almost kind of like the proto form of that, right? Oh, absolutely. Where like, you know, you're trying to profile a serial killer and figure out like, why is he skinning people? Like, what is he doing with the skin? Like, Right. And how are we going to use this information to, to ultimately catch him, right? Yeah. And there's some clever stuff later on in this movie where they start to maybe piece together what's actually going on and what his real motives are. So it's interesting. Yeah, and so going back to Jack Crawford, the FBI character, so he's modeled off of John E. Douglas, who's the person who's 
the character in Mindhunter is, is model off of. And we'll talk about that in more detail, I think, later. But again, kind of like you're saying, like with the true crime stuff, if, if you're a fan of any of that stuff, honestly, you've probably already seen this film already. And if you haven't, I, I'm shocked because it's the greatest aspect of it's the it's the greatest piece of this genre ever made it's the whole reason why this genre basically exists as it does today so go check this out put this at the absolute top of your your watch list and honestly like i agree this is one of the greatest movies of all time it's dark and quite upsetting but it's exceptionally well made how i'll wrap this up i I, i've kind of spoiled it already because of my excitement in talking about this but I, I've actually seen this movie once before. Okay. Probably, you know, it was at my peak of like really, really being into film. And that was around the ages of like 16 to 20 ish. Okay. Um, so I watched it in that period. So it's been over a decade since I watched this movie. Mm. And I remember really liking it at the time. And I remember Anthony Hopkins' performance, but I, I didn't really carry anything else beyond that. So I, I actually was going into this like, knowing that it's a very famous movie, remembering that I liked it, but I was actually somewhat worried going into this that this movie wasn't going to live up to the hype. And I can assure you that it does, and then some. It, like, this movie is incredible. Yeah, it's timeless. It's completely, it's great. Also, weird connection, if you have seen the movie Zootopia <sighs> and you really enjoy that film... The film Zootopia is basically like a child's recreation of Silence of the Lambs. Fun fact. So What? Yeah. So if you enjoyed that as a child, you're going to love this. I'm going to have to rewatch Zootopia. I'm going to have to check that. <laughs> you look like you don't believe me, but I can assure you. I it's don't, true. but I'm guessing <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch Zootopia when we're done recording tonight. Honestly, like this is this might be a stretch, but I feel like this is one of those few movies that is almost kind of for everyone. I mean, not anyone under the age of 16, definitely, <laughs> but I feel like this is one of those few movies you could put on in front of anyone and they would probably get sucked into it. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. The first 20 minutes, like I said, are some of the greatest opening 20 minutes of a film ever. And like what's really the real meat of the movie is the relationship between these two really interesting but really opposed characters like the young inexperienced woman and this old like just terrifying evil man you know yeah you know he's highly intelligent but he's also he doesn't use that intelligence for good it almost kind of reminded me of like dracula and mina harker or something like that right yeah like, yeah, just, yeah yeah there's actually there's that great moment later in the movie when She's visiting him in his, she's visiting him somewhere, spoiler alert, and the guard in the elevator with her is like, so like, is he a vampire or something? And she just says, I don't think there's a word for what he is. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I think I remember what I was going to say earlier. I was going to say that I think the reason why I didn't remember this movie all that well is because, because it's so effective in what it does and it's so terrifying that I think I evacuated large parts of this film from my memory uh, just because it's not something that you want to sit with for, you know, ever. I guess not. Like, your brain actually blocked off the memories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's a movie that it's incredible to watch, but it's also 
very traumatizing <laughs> in a sense. There's a sequence towards the end of the movie that I was genuinely like sitting there like, oh no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, yep. why is this happening? Yep. I, I wonder if you and I have the same sequence in mind, but. I bet we do, but. Yeah, we'll get into that later. Uh, so when to watch, for me, this is a Friday or a Sunday night watch. Although, like I was saying before, it's kind of nice to be able to, you know, have some time after this to kind of sit with it and to calm down, calm down. Like this isn't something you watch and go to bed. (laughs) No, it's something that you watch and then you discuss it with a friend after, or you watch something a little bit later after. Like I could also see this being a, a rainy Sunday afternoon kind of film. If you have trouble sleeping, like my co-host does, maybe don't watch this and then go to bed. Yeah. Maybe give yourself some time. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle because, boy, what a ride this is. Mm. Where to watch? Right now it's streaming on MGM Channel through Amazon Prime. So that's where I watched it. I got a free seven-day subscription to that. Make sure you cancel it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It holds up really well on there, so no concerns about that streaming platform at all. I watch. I rent it on YouTube as is as I normally <laughs> as is tradition. As I normally do, so nice. it's a little expensive on YouTube. It's like seven ninety nine, I think, to rent. So it's it's cheaper actually. I find most films are cheaper on Prime to rent if you're gonna if you're gonna do the. Oh really? Experience. That would have been useful information like ten months ago <laughs> when I came on. But fine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like th- most movies are around three ninety nine to rent on Prime. Okay. That's not bad. For next time. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's what we paid, you know, back in the 90s and early 2000s when you and I went to go rent films all the time. That's right, people. That's how old me and Blake are. We used to go to <laughs> video stores together and rent movies. Yep, nothing like the old video stores, the old 7 to 11. And they were VHS tapes, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got some DVDs. We, we were in that era, you know? That was that was right on the cusp of, of everything. We started with VHS tapes, though. I remember getting my first true. DVD player at, like, 10 years old. Very true. Very ah, true. what a time. <laughs> and I think that's going to be it for the spoiler-free discussion. Go check this movie out, because it's awesome and terrifying. And awesome. <laughs> I don't think I did I can't it right. believe you did that. All right, well, we'll see you next week for the spoiler full discussion. I'll be here with a glass of Shanti.